Hey, it's Richie, and I got a message for everybody in the Sporty Nation who is outside the state of Arizona. You can download the DraftKings app right now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. Promo code THPN to get millions of dollars in prizes. And this coming up this week, two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the Walter Waite title. DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, and they are giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. All you have to do is just pick six fighters, stand under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than this. That's DraftKings.com, the DraftKings app, promo code THPN. I'm Corey Contra. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Happy Thursday, everyone. I am losing track now that we've been doing these um, by podcast, by web show. Gosh, I almost called it a webcast. That would have been embarrassing. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I'm losing my days of the week in it. But uh, happy Thursday and um, happy free game day because tomorrow is game day and and we've got some three more exciting games against the Blues coming up and I'm super excited to present to you guys the man who watched the Keller goal after the last game um, I think about 800 times at this point Richie Suave Flores. (laughs) Not true I watched it like five and that's it but it was it was quite fun, and I'm excited to talk about it. Coyotes have won three straight games. They're on a roll. The St. Louis Blues have no answer for the Coyotes at this point, seemingly. And then they're going to play three more times here this week, Friday, Saturday, and next week uh, game as well. So, yeah, it's been a fun, fun week to be a Coyotes fan this week. But uh, we can we can get into that in in a little bit because there's uh, some good stuff to talk about, including obviously the wild finish to the fourth game of the series that included the obviously the Keller goal with under a second to go, and then the the win, uh, game winner in the shootout from Christian Dvorak, among other things. Um, Oliver Larson was back on the ice this week on Wednesday. It's a possibility he could get back into the lineup this weekend. We'll see. And uh, we also have some other stuff to talk about too, random shit. But, Corey, I wanted to kick it off with something ridiculously fun that we saw on Wednesday, which I did not expect to see because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers held their Super Bowl party today, I guess, their uh, celebration of their championship. And they did it on boats in the Tampa Bay Harbor, kind of like what the Tampa Bay Lightning did too. They kind of did something similar. And I sent you a video today. 
that I did not expect to see of Tom Brady looking like you and me coming off a mill at 3 o'clock in the morning. I did not expect to see that from Tom Brady. It was ridiculously hilarious. Hey, if you win seven Super Bowls, you deserve to take a a day off of your TB12 diet that is, like, all health all the time. Like, I'm not kidding you. Kat had tweeted out during the Super Bowl that um, she thinks that, like, an alien or something has inhabited his body. Because if you look at the pictures of him when he was younger to how he looks now, he actually looks better now than when he was younger. So, um, you know, that man has some Benjamin Button type shit going on here. But yet, he finally took a day off and um, got himself pretty swifty on the waters there. And I'm very actually living for the vibes of uh, 7th Super Bowl Tom Brady because it's just... Part of it is his videos, like, they keep on getting more and more savage every time, and I am kind of living for them at this point, because the one he posted um, today that was um, literally him, you know, on the boat and everything, and then it ends with him throwing the Lombardi trophy from one boat to the other. Everyone well knows if that trophy would have gone into the water, they would have had to hire uh, a diving team to go and get that thing out of that lake. And so, you know, drunk Tom Brady gives no fucks. And he just threw it from one boat to the other. I mean, just like everything else, we shouldn't have underestimated him in that, that he was going to be able to just, like, throw it over there. But, like... I, I'm kind of living for the savagery that is Tom Brady right now. And then you had said to me earlier that he's gone full Ovi. And I and I really felt that. And I, I think that we what we really need is like a, a teamed up celebration between Ovechkin and Brady. And basically I've told everyone in advance that they need to take all of their lakes and all of their water fountains and hide them. This is true. Yes, because um, that's what Ovechkin and the Capitals did is they dove into a bunch of different fountains around the DC area after they won their championship a couple of years ago. And I, speaking of videos and how many times you watch a video, I felt like I watched that video of Tom Brady tossing the Lombardi about 25 or 30 times. I could not get enough of that. I thought it was incredibly, it was incredible. There was like multiple different angles of it. And, and there's one part of the, there's one video where it was taken from Brady's perspective from one of his kids or something or somebody else with him. And, and you can hear his daughter going, daddy, no. And like trying to convince him to stop doing it. And he did it anyway. And his? the Lombardi Trophy weighs seven pounds, by the way, in case you're wondering. So it's not like it's yeah. a tiny little thing that he's tossing. Like, it's a seven-pound trophy that is a multi-million dollar trophy. But here's my question. If it would have gone into the water, who do you think would have gone in after it first, Rob Gronkowski or Tom Brady? 
Oh, Gronkowski. The, the man is nice. He is at like a giant golden retriever, but he is, is probably the dumbest. So, yeah, I would say he probably would have gone in first. Bra- would- Brady would have actually, I think, would have just stayed there and was like, you know what, I'll hire someone for that. I wonder how deep the water is. I don't know. That's a good question. Because that, like, that, pro- there, that would have played into it, too. What was that? I said that would have played into it, too, is how deep the water is. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is is it so deep that you're going to need, like, a dive team? Like, that's that's a possibility that you couldn't get down there unless you, like, had a dive team, like, go down and get it. Or if it's, like, you know, if you have significant about amount of lung space, could you swim down there? That is a solid question. Some of them are, are kind of more on the shallow side. I don't know. Good question. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was hilarious watching – Every one of those videos today, there was some great Bruce Arians content today, too, in one of his speeches. And I feel like if you had to rank like team celebrations, the top of the tier is obviously the Washington Capitals. I don't think we've ever seen a team yeah. go that hard after they won. But I feel like a close second is Tampa Bay today. Yeah, I mean, I... I was kind of living vicariously through them today. Um, I was also watching like the Instagram stories from Camille Kotsak, or I think is something along the lines with her name. Um, the one who's a Sports Illustrated uh, model who's uh, dating Rob Gronkowski. Um, I was watching her stuff too, and it was... Uh, it was pretty entertaining. I was honestly living vicariously through all of it. And then, you know, kind of some of the tweets that people were putting out of it. And I, I have to say, if there is an MVP of like the past celebrations that uh, of recent time that like Brady's had in um, after these Super Bowls, it's gotta be his daughter. His daughter shows up in some way, shape or form. Like the last time, um, his daughter, when they were passing by on like the the buses or whatever, um, he she looked over and she like puts her hand up and starts waving at Gronk as he's going by, and she goes, "Hi, Gronky," and that's like what she calls Gronkowski is Gronky, and um, Brady afterwards like made some joke about how, the fact that his daughter is just like in love with Rob Gronkowski. And so, um, even though like, he's like, like kind of like an uncle to her, like, it was just really funny because like, that's, that's what she was doing that last time. And this time it's now her like on, um, on video, he's screaming, daddy, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's everywhere, all over the internet. If you haven't seen any of these videos, go watch them. They're absolutely incredible. And you, but one last thing on this. The uh, the best, I think Gronk, I feel like, was pretty tame this year compared to previous years. Because do you remember several years ago during one of the parades, he had his shirt off and he was, like, double fisting beers in both hands? I mean, he had a shirt off on, on this one, and he had, like, um, like a 
big necklace of like beads around his neck and he was dancing on the side of the boat. There was a couple times I was thinking to myself, there is a 50% chance he's going to fall in that water. Because like, he was on the edge the entire time just dancing. And I was like, he's going down pretty, like he's big dude. So if he goes down, he's going down quick. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some Coyotes conversation. Now, I have a theory, Corey, and I want to see where you lie on this theory. You know what I, I'm, the theory I'm bringing up here, and I, I think you, you kind of agree with me. After that win on Monday night, the in, it was a game in which the Coyotes had to come back three different times. They were down one nothing, 2-1, to one, and 3-2. to two. All three times they came back and tied the game in different circumstances. Of course, they ended up winning in the shootout, winning three straight against the St. Louis Blues, and doing it in completely different fashions all over the board. But I feel like a win like the Coyotes had in which they – really had to it was really a test of the type of team they are this season and the type of team Bill Armstrong and Rick Tockett wants this team to be. I had tweeted out after the game I said I basically said that previous Coyotes teams probably lose a game like that. But in this situation, this Coyotes team they really showed that they're not pushovers anymore. That they are a team who's never out of any game. That they are a team who can go up against a Stanley Cup contender on the road and push back when they're pushed on. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's basically something that you and I have been talking about for a while, which is, and something Bill Armstrong wants to see from his team, is he wants to see this team push back against these teams that push them, try to push them down or knock them down. And I feel like that's what they did against the Blues, is that when they got knocked down, they were like, uh-uh, we're going to get back up. We're going to pull a Rocky. And and, uh, and and they did, and they won the game. And I feel like it's a, a win that can springboard them now into really putting themselves in a position to make the playoffs this year. Whether or not they succeed in that, it's a long season. There's still a long way to go. But when you're beating teams like St. Louis on the road like that three out of four times, like I, I, I think this team is uh, is starting to find themselves. Rick Tockett after the game on Monday was like, listen, this team is a good – this team, referring to the Coyotes, our team is a good team. We've only had played one bad game all season long, and that was that game against Vegas where they got beat 5-2. to two. But – other than that, they've been in every game, right? Outside of a, a, a goal here or there, a lot of games have come down to a goal, and uh, and this team is in a good position right now. And uh, and do you agree with me that I feel like this win could be a springboard type of win for them? Oh, absolutely! I think that there was a certain point in the beginning of the season where we're actually thinking to ourselves. If they don't turn around really quickly, this could be it for them. This They had hit a point where it was just they had to turn the season around or there was no coming back. When you have a shortened season, and which could come, become even incredibly shorter, um, it, there's no way for us to really tell because there's a lot of teams that are going through COVID protocols right now and 
once you get far enough away, they're just going to start canceling those games, not postponing them. So um, with a season that's this volatile and this um, truncated, you are in a situation where you can't take any of these games for granted. You have to win these games when you can because of... um, because of how special this season is. And so the fact that they're making it up in grand fashion like this, they're, you know, three in a row. They're I feel like they're treating this like a um like they're basically making a run for the cup, you know, like it's a seven game series essentially. And you have to treat it like that. Like you need to be able to to win the series that way. And when they always seem to get under the skin of the blues and they always have Keller seems to always produce better against his um, hometown. And this was their opportunity. This was their time to do what they're good at and use this as, um, as a platform to show that they are tough enough to get through um, being behind in games and coming back. And they're able to, you know, scratch and claw their way to these wins so like this I think was the first time they were able to show themselves confidence wise that they're capable of doing the things that we all knew that they were capable of before um we started the season yeah and we I feel like we should mention the last two minutes of that game on Monday it was one of the wildest two minutes of a regular season NHL game I've seen in a long time Clayton Keller basically becomes the the goat of the game for a brief moment because he takes a really bad penalty in the offensive zone, and you're like, oh, well, the guys are done. They're going to lose this game. Uh, moments later, the St. Louis Blues take a penalty, and you're like, okay, well, we get some four-on-four action here. Maybe they can make a run and, and make a play and and somehow, some way, get a five-on-four goal. And then we find out that the refs make a ridiculous call and they put Connor Garland in the box for embellishment of all things that late in the game. So they continue to play on. Clayton Keller gets out of the box, and it's a it's a it's a six on four situation for the Coyotes. And somehow, some way, he gets to the net, and Christian Dvorak makes one of the plays of the season, in my opinion, and goes like behind the back, no look right onto the stick of Clayton Keller who buries home the game tying goal was 0.7 seconds left in the, in the, in regulation. And man, it was wild. And, and my, here's the thing, sport nation that you don't know. When I watch the games, I usually watch them about a minute or so ahead of Corey because of her delay. So, so do you remember the text I sent you when Clayton Keller scored? Okay, so you've there's there's twice when this was like a big situation like that, and I've gotten a, a text beforehand, and the first time was the Kessel goal, and on that one, Richie just sent me a hot dog. So I mean, not too cryptic, but he doesn't he doesn't outright say it. he sends me cryptic text instead. So that one was a hot dog. This one was just a bunch of exclamation points. Now I gotta find exactly how many exclamation points he sent me. Yeah, that's all it was, because I didn't want to quite spoil it for you, and I was, like, so excited as to what happened, I didn't know what to text. I was, like, I was so, like, jazzercised up. Five exclamation points. Thank you. 
And and so yeah, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to like to send you like all caps. And I'm just like I was speechless. I'm just going to send you exclamation points so you can figure out what happened. What did you think I was? Did you think that the Coyotes had scored when I sent you that, or because you had to have known that something crazy had happened? Yeah. So the the same thing has happened to me both times. It's happened. So the the first time. It happened, and you sent it to me, and I saw the hot dog. I was like, oh, Kessel must score. And then the closer and closer it got to the end of the game, I started to, like, lose faith in you, right? Like, I was like, oh, wait, no, he can't be right. This game is, like, over. Whereas, like, you know, I was like, I don't see the setup in this. Like, I, like, start to, like, question my belief in, in the situation. And, like, so in this one, I did the same thing. I was just like, okay, I thought he sent me a bunch of exclamation points because someone scored a goal. And so then when um, Keller scored, I actually felt more relieved than anything else. Because I was like, oh, okay, that is what he was sending me a text about was, was the goal. And it was funny because Scotty, like, freaked out and got all excited. And then he goes, wait a second. Did Richie text you again? Did you already know? And I was like, yes. But you don't know the, like, torture I went through in my own brain thinking that, oh, no, he sent me that text. And it's not because of a goal. And so I went through a a whole, like, emotional wave of, like, disappointment to, like, a little bit of excitement and mostly a lot of relief when it actually did happen. It was, it was a whole whirlwind. Um, And I'm glad the Coyotes wound up on top of that whirlwind. Again, thanks to the Christian Dvorak's and Connor Garland's beautiful goals in the shootout. And... Before we, we move on to other Coyotes news here, we can spend a lot of time on this game, and we're going to continue talking about it. I know you have a lot to say about Clayton Keller and how big of a goal that was for him and how he's been playing lately because you've been asking for him to find a way to earn his contract, basically, over the first couple of weeks of the season. And ever since he got put on that line, that short leash line, with uh, Connor Garland and Nick Schmaltz, I feel like we're we're seeing a, a a better version of Clayton Keller over the last you know week or so. Yeah, I this is what I've been looking for out of him for the the entire season, most of last season, honestly. Um, we knew that he has that he had this ability that he has the ability to score and just be there for key plays like this. For some reason, he only shows up when he's in St. Louis. I'm really hoping that this keeps um, moving in this direction. Like he 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 takes this and he keeps inserting this into games. Um, you know, even after these three that are against the Blues again. Like I I still hope that he keeps that confidence with him and uh, kind of the flow that he's put himself in and the fact that um, we were we were on uh, three cheers. For goaltending, which is like uh, Cat's podcast, and I can't remember who said it, but someone was saying on there um, that you know they were him, him and Garland were talking in the penalty box and saying that they were just going to go straight to the net once they got out, and um, and it, the mentality I feel like of Clayton Keller for so long has has been, you know, more in the fact of he wants to, like, make a, a lot of 
plays and be more of a playmaker because that's more naturally where he's at. But that type of aggression and that type of we just need to score and if I need to be the one that needs to score, then that's what it is, is really where I need his head to be like going forward through the rest of the season because he needs to be that entire line, honestly, needs to be able to produce to help with the fact that when the other lines aren't producing, you're going to rely on that one line to get all of your goals. And that's rough to say, but there will be plenty of games where that will be the only line scoring or someone in the other lines will have to pick it up because they're not scoring. And it's going to take a lot longer for that to take into effect. And I, I think Honestly, this short leash line is one of the best things that Tockett could have done for this team. Oh, 100%, because we're seeing results right away. And Coach Tockett has kind of referred to this anytime he's asked about that line over the last you know week or so that they've been together. He's essentially saying the reason why he calls them the short leash line, number one, is because yeah, they put all basically put all their offense in one basket. And he's like, listen, they're on a short lease. If they don't play well in the defensive zone, they're not going to be together long. And so his theory of the case for especially Clayton Keller more so than than the other two, Nick Schmaltz a little bit too, is, is that it's going to force got, uh, Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller to play better in their defensive zone. I feel like Rick Tockett, for the most part, has always liked Connor Garland's game in the defensive zone. And he's talked about in the past how Connor has kind of committed himself to doing that, to becoming a better player in his own zone and becoming a better all-around NHL player as opposed to just being the guy that's the scrappy kind of underdog that scores a decent amount of goals every year. And so I feel like he's not too worried about Connor Garland's progression in his own zone, but he's hoping that by putting those three together, it's going to force them to commit themselves to playing well in their own zone. And I feel like for the most part, it's a work in progress. They've done a decent job at that. And, and he referred to Nick Schmaltz on saying that, you know, Schmaltz got off to kind of a rough start this year, but he's seemingly kind of getting better. Remember Schmaltz is coming off an injury. Um, we don't know for sure if it was a – yeah, it was a concussion, right? He had a concussion there in the playoffs because he took an elbow to the face that was never called for a penalty or and slash or suspended by the NHL. But I digress about that. So as long as they continue to play well in the defensive zone, this line's going to stick together. In my opinion, they're the best line the Coyotes have put together really since I, – I believe it was like the Redeem Verbata playing on a line that we – I remember we called the check the check line – because there's him and a bunch of other fellow Czechs in this, on the same line together. Um, and, and so I, I feel like this line is is exactly what the Coyotes need. It's a shot in the arm. They've all been playing well, obviously. And, and I, the biggest test for me, though, is going to come when the line goes cold offensively. Right now, everything seems to be going smoothly for that short leash line. But what happens when, like we've seen from Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz in the past, when they go cold? What happens and what does that do to the rest of the team? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's um, kind of what when I was talking about it earlier is 
you you can see production from some of the 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 lower three lines in that in the in the regard they have the capability to it. They're definitely not consistent about it, and um, you also don't. They've almost become lackadaisic about it because of the fact that they aren't having to be the ones scoring these goals. So they've gotten a little bit cold in that regard. I feel like if we came into a game where the short leash line was just coming up cold and they weren't able to score the goals needed in order to win, um, you know, it's, it's very all dependent upon um, how Kemper and Ronta are playing that night. Um, you may not see those players come out until the latter half of the game because of the fact that coming from those lower lines, it may end up having to be more of a greasy goal, more of a goal that's worked for as opposed to uh, a very pretty goal. And not because they can't score those goals, but because of the fact that there tends to be a sense, I feel like with this team especially, like they did it quite a bit after um, Hall arrived last season, was there seems to be um, a bit of a, oh, well, I don't have to worry as much because someone else is going to do it for me. And I feel like that bystander effect hurts them. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree with that. And it's it's going to be something that's going to be tested. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to always come as easy as, as the three wins against the uh, Blues seemingly did for, you know, Christian Dvorak and Connor Garland and and Clayton Keller too, right? It's 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 going to be a it's a fifty six game season, right? And uh, they still have some tough competition, including at some point we imagine eight games against the Minnesota Wild, who we know is a bad matchup for the Coyotes, and some more games against the. Vegas Golden Knights too, who are now have a player in COVID protocol too. So who knows if those are going to happen either, but short leash line, so fun to watch. They're going to stay together for at least for now. And, uh, and I don't know how St. Louis is going to stop them. Three more games against that. That line is going to be really tough for them. Speaking of the three more games against the St. Louis blues, Corey, some news today out of Rick Tockett. We saw a lot of uh, posts from the Coyotes today that Alvrek Larson was back on the ice today and practicing with the team in, in, in a full practice. Here's what uh, talk had said about the status of the captain, Alvrek Larson. He says, I probably think it's Oliver's call right now. He had a good week of practice. He's skating again. We'll find out later on Wednesday and tomorrow on Thursday and see how it goes. We have a full practice tomorrow talking about Thursday. So he'll be in a full practice again. And it's seemingly trending in, in the manner that Oliver Larson's going to be back at some point in this three-game stretch against St. Louis when that is. We're not 100% sure. Hopefully it's Friday um, because we talked about in the past on, a, on, a, on an episode of our show that I feel like this team was – missing Oliver Larson in a way. And I feel like, you know, you and I aren't, aren't the biggest fans of Oliver Ekman Larson, but at the end of the day, this is a guy who, who plays 26, 27 minutes a night, every night for you on the blue line. And that's 
a lot to replace. And so to get him back in the lineup is a, is a big deal, especially considering he got off to a, a good start, right? We talked about on our show how the last game he played before he got hurt, he put up three assists, was three assists, which was one of his better games he's had as a Coyote in quite a while. So to get him back is really important. The quicker he comes back, the better. They've kind of done their job without him and, and picking up some of these big wins. But I feel like this team is better off with him in the lineup than not, especially with some of the struggles of Alex Goligoski and Jason Demers this season. Oliver Larson is a better defensive than both of those two guys right now. And, uh, and that's, I think that's a, that's a fact. I think that that's 100% true. So two questions for you, the impact of Oliver Larson's return, how big of a deal is it? And then number two, who do you think he replaces in the lineup? Because that is a very interesting question that Rick Tocca is going to have to have to deal with. Oh, I haven't, I haven't thought about the latter, honestly. Um, I mean, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of places you can go in and the fact that there he's, he, before he was injured, he was actually playing relatively decent. Um, he definitely was not at um, mid last season form where we were genuinely like cursing at him while watching him. Um, I, whenever we recorded that episode while we were watching the game, it was, it was very um, angrily aimed. I felt at OEL for most of the episode, but um, I, I don't particularly know where let me let me pull up who the lines from this last pull up from this last game who who would you have replace him in that or who would you have him replaced in that spot am i speaking correctly am i speaking english at this point richie jesus um yeah, you sound like you had a little bit uh, too much whiskey there for a second, but we'll, we'll be okay. In in my opinion, I, I think you're looking at two candidates to be brought out of the lineup, and that's Jason Demers and Alex Goligoski, who, especially Demers, in my opinion, has been really bad. He, he's he's just not, not getting it done as an NHL defenseman this year, in my opinion. And Rick Toggett, he was most recently paired with Jordan Osterley, who – in, in my opinion, is uh, is progressing as an NHL defenseman. I think he's 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 getting better. He, Rick Tockett loved his game in the playoffs. Got off to a Rick rough start earlier this season, but anytime Tockett's talked about him, he's talked that his game's gotten better. Tockett's also talked about a lot in the past how he likes that right left combination of shots. And Oliver Larson, obviously being a left hand shot, you would hope that he replaces a. A, a another left shot in the lineup and that would be Alex Goligoski but uh, I feel like you can make a move to have a guy play on uh, play on an opposite side um, I believe it's um, Nicholas Dralmerson has played the right side in the past so he's used to doing that so maybe you do that you take Jason Demers out of the lineup you put OEL in you move uh, Dralmerson to the right hand side and maybe you do that but um but I, I, I'd imagine it's Demers or Goligoski. One of those two, I'd be 100% okay with coming out of the lineup. I, I was leaning towards uh, Goligoski 
I was making sure by looking at everyone else, I wasn't missing anyone that was like blatantly obvious. Um, but yeah, I was I was leaning towards Goligoski uh, in that whole situation. So I I agree with you on that. Um, and and I will say too that as much as we have like shit on OEL like multiple times on this show, he is still the the heart and soul of this team as as the captain. He there's a spirit that changes when you know you don't have your captain there, you don't have your captain playing with you. And I feel like he came into this season um, a little bit more focused and a little bit more ready to lead than he was last season. And um, I think it is very unfortunate that it got cut for him in that sense where he had to, you know, couldn't travel with the team and, and really be with them. Or I, actually, he may have did. Was he able to go on this last trip with them i can't remember i, they were I believe i believe he was on the trip with them yes yes i believe he was skating with the team yeah, albeit not in the, in the full practice yeah okay that's what I was, so like in so in, in that regard it's nice but you know to not have your captain on the ice is always going to be a struggle there there's a reason they are your captain so that as as much as we we say what we do there is a a blatantly obvious uh hole when he's not there so i'm glad that he's he's skating and it looks like he could be coming back soon maybe in time for a reverse retro jersey night on saturday because i'm hoping that's a win because i would love to have the kachina jersey spirit that's like always winning those games go into the same spirit of the reverse retro. That would be, that would be great. And I completely forgot that that was this weekend. <laughs> but I'm excited to see it them was, in action though. It was, it was tweeted out by the Coyotes very recently. Let me see what the, oh, I was about to try and find it for you guys to read it out to everyone. And I will. I'm determined to find it, what the what all of the dates are. But I do know Saturday is the first day. Oh, here we go. Um, so February 13th, February 20th, February 27th, March 6th, and March 27th. So, you know, if it brings us new luck in that regard, that is... Five more games just right there that the Coyotes could win off of their Kachina-type mojo. That would be super dope. Getting that home ice advantage would be nice for the Coyotes this year because remember last year how bad they were on home ice for most of the season? They ended up getting better towards the end of the yeah, season than the beginning of this season, but for a long time last year, they could not win at home to save their life. They did a weird little, like, flip where they were terrible at home, were great when they were on the road, and then they were terrible on the road and great at home. So I don't I don't know. I feel like they can't decide. Again, we always come back to consistency with this team. Um, and, and it's weird to be saying that, considering the fact that they are finally consistent in the fact that they have a win streak for once which is very nice. I kind of missed how nice it felt to feel a win streak 
it, they weren't without the same stress that comes with the Coyotes game. Coyotes games always come with a high level of stress and anxiety because nothing can be easy with them, including being up in a game very decently and then blowing, what, three goals? Then, like, a couple minutes at the end of uh, one of those, they're all starting to blur together now. I can't remember which game that was. Yeah, that was um, the game that Ronta got to start in. Yes. Um, so, you know, nothing's ever easy with them, per se. But um, this is at least a, a little bit of a sigh of relief to be able to finally watch a win streak with this team. Yeah, and I'm curious <laughs> how having fans there at Healer Arena like affects the atmosphere, right? Because they're one of the few fan few teams in the NHL that are allowing fans. It was announced on Wednesday that all the New York teams are planning on on uh, allowing fans, uh, Madison Square Garden among them, coming up in, in the next few weeks, which is still just insane to me to be allowing fans during a pandemic. But we can go on about that for a while. Consider, oh yeah, there's an outbreak in the NHL right now. So nothing makes sense when it comes to the NHL and their, their planning. But let's wrap up the show, Corey, with, I have some great stories for random shit this week, including a Taylor Swift themed one. Taylor. Oh, you were actually able to put Taylor Swift into this. This should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, we are recording on Wednesday night. Episode, obviously, is out on Thursday. So by the time you're listening to this, you will know what the announcement is. But but apparently, Taylor Swift has made some sort of an announcement on Good Morning America on Thursday morning. I'm fascinated to know what it is. I'm hoping it's another um, st- like studio session like they did on Disney plus for, um, for the last album. Cause it was mm-hmm. really cool for the first one. Yeah. Uh, that, that actually, yeah, that I could see that I was oddly depressed watching that. Like there's a lot of very depressing songs in, in the first album. Also, what have we all been doing? She dropped two albums during quarantine. If, if you've ever felt like a procrastinator in your life, it's because Taylor Swift dropped two albums while everyone else was like tweeting and eating cookies and sitting on their couch. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's wild. And that's why, that's why she's uh, makes a lot of money and has a lot of fans, you know, speaking of making a lot of money and having a lot of fans, Taylor Swift, of course, <laughs> This is really funny. So her most recent album is called Evermore. And apparently a fantasy theme park in Pleasant Grove, Utah, filed a suit against Taylor Swift, claiming the pop star infringed on their trademark name, Evermore Park. The complaint alleges that Swift's album, Evermore, has caused actual confusion and negatively affected their search engine placement. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, Taylor Swift's attorneys are calling the parse claims baseless and ignored the cease and desist letter sent to the singer on December 18th. The park in there in Utah has been open since 2018. I don't understand, like, 
you know, people name their albums a bunch of random shit all the time. Like, I, I don't understand how this is, like, that big of a deal. Like, I understand, like, for your search engine optimization, like, you're paying for keywords on, on Google, and, um, you know, what they're searching for is not a park. But, I mean... I guess for the people in that area, they could find out about a park even when they're not looking for it. And then you get people that would have never looked for your park in the first place. There's the bright side there. And then she's never once said anything about it. So people getting confused about the park and thought it had something to do with Taylor Swift is kind of dumb. Because if she had an, an amusement park, don't you think she'd be like posting it everywhere? Yeah, exactly. Like, first of all, the park here, genius. Because we're talking about it now. Whereas we weren't talking about it a week ago. You know? So it's pretty much free, free publicity by them. Albeit they had to file the lawsuit. So I don't know how much that's going to cost. But I'm assuming they're going to drop it pretty soon. Because now the story's out there. It's been everywhere. People know about it. People know about the park now. Genius marketing on their part. That is very true. They've gone with the any publicity is good publicity idea. Like so yeah, that it technically is like it's it's really great publicity for them in the fact that um yeah, we are we're talking about them on our podcast. People are you know, it's it's now become completely a newsworthy thing to talk about them. It's a good point. You are correct. This is actually good marketing on their part. Next story, a man who changed his name to Celine Dion during a drunken bender has no plans to change it back. The Celine Dion superfan, formerly known as Thomas Dodd, had a few too many drinks while watching one of the singer's performances over Christmas and says that the alcohol must have given him a great idea. He only discovered what he had done several days later when he received eight copies of a deed poll. <laughs> He said, I'm slightly obsessed with her. I'm not going to lie. During lockdown, I've been watching a lot of live concerts. I can only think I've been watching one of hers and had a great idea after a few drinks. I walked in from work and there was a big white envelope with do not bend written across it. I nearly passed out in my kitchen when I opened it. <laughs> he says, now I'm thinking it would be a great way to get backstage. Apparently, Celine Dion's parents were, uh, or Celine's parents, that's him, were not pleased after discovering his name switch when a reporter called their home, although they have since warmed to the idea. They've warmed to the idea. Oh my gosh. Imagine getting that drunk and being, like, capable of, like, doing those things. There's no way I'm getting, like, super drunk and, and changing my name. That's not one of the things, you know, like, people always do, like, random dumb shit. That has never once been a thing like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get drunk, change my name. I also think the same thing when people are like, I'm gonna get drunk and, and get married. I also, like, I don't understand that one either. Like, these, like, big, like, life decision things like that, I don't know how you can, like, accidentally do them when you're drunk. Yeah, it's it's wild. Every anything out anytime I'm drunk, I just want to like fall asleep and go to bed pretty much at this point in my life. So, uh -huh. <laughs> changing your name seems like quite the effort. 
But if you were to change your name, what would you change it to? Like after naming after, if you had to name, rename yourself after a celebrity, what would it be? Um, I mean, like I would, ha I feel like I would have to go down the same vein that my my name has. Um. You know, like it would have to be something similar, like maybe, maybe Blake Lively. Hmm. That's. Nice. I mean, because I, like I have, that. I have, I, I technically have like a guy's name, and then she technically has a guy's name. So Blake Lively. I don't know what her actual name is. I doubt her last name is actually Lively. Is it Lively? I. I ooh, that's a great question. Let's find out, shall we? Let's, let's take a quick Google here and, and find out. While I'm Googling it, I think mine would be Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Could you imagine just going places? I'm Ron Burgundy. Her, 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 that's her, her, uh, her stage name is, is Blake Lively. Her birth name is Blake Brown. Ah, see, there you go. That's what I thought. I was like, most of the time, um, they don't, you know, most of your actresses and actors out there, um, their name is not actually their name. It's yeah. like, you know, some of them are, are, you know, long and foreign. Some of them people de deemed them to be too boring, and then some people... Uh, just wanted to do like a nice name that sounded sounded good. It was a good stage name. So most um, most famous people you know don't actually have. Um... Oh shit! Though her her dad's last name is Lively. Yeah, but that he was he's also an actor, so he changed his name. To lively, and so it's like not. Oh actual, yeah, yeah. Ernest. Okay, never mind. So she just took his stage last name. Yes. Oh well, I guess that's that's a little bit of passing it down. So yeah, there you go. Then you'll learn something new every every time you listen to the to our show. Yes, I definitely learn something oh my gosh ryan reynolds name is ryan rodney reynolds so his last, first and last name is correct but he's got rodney as his middle name that's a lot of r's yeah triple r try and say that five times fast i dare you richie say ryan rodney reynolds Okay. Ryan Rodney Reynolds. 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 Is that enough? Dang, you you had like you created a good flow for yourself. You did pretty good. That was impressive. Thank you. That is very tough though. There was like a I wasn't counting at the same time though. So I probably did it six times there, but I I don't know. I, I was started listening to your um, to your flow that you had created, and um, I was more just enamored by the fact that you were able to do that so like 
thoroughly. That was pretty good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know how I got through it because it's really hard to do. I wouldn't recommend doing it at home. Uh, but I think that's a good a good way to end, end this episode of the show. Uh, do you have anything else before we, we go bye-bye? Uh, enjoy the game on Friday and Saturday. Um, we will be discussing all of them and hopefully our excitement on Monday. All right, everybody, follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams and all that jazz vacation and follow the network at HockeyPodNet. If you're outside of the state of Arizona, obviously, that's not legal here. DraftKings, promo code THPN. For Corey, I have been Richie. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you again next week. Good night and good hockey, everybody. Uh, you know what? I'm just I, I, so heated because of what, what you're telling me because I, I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac- macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for KD. God. Oh my God! Go to go to Italy. If you ask, open some fucking no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is the fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country, with my co-host Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc every week, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put Um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night.